You're listening to the Scale and Skyrocket Your Business podcast, co-hosted by Law, Emma, Zoe and Eloise. And this week you're with me, Law Bradley. And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking to strategic brand designer, Emma Vega-Malta. And Emma's going to be sharing with us her amazing story of how she went from living a wealthy lifestyle to almost losing everything in the global financial crash of 2008. And then she's going to be talking about how she's rebuilt an incredible lifestyle business from then on. Okay, so let's get right into it. I'm Law Bradley, business strategist and co-host of the Scale and Skyrocket podcast. And I'm on a mission to show entrepreneurs from all around the world how to scale and build a business that you don't need to take a holiday from and to do this by working smarter and not harder. So Emma, welcome. So where do we get started on your introduction? Because I was doing a lot of prep work and you are building quite a rap sheet of accolades (laughs) during your journey over the last 15 years. And it's incredible because you've built a track record, not just as an artist, but as an expert in strategic branding and design. Uh, You've evolved and you've pivoted your business um, to serve different audiences over this time. Um, And you've been featured in um, publications like Vogue Living, uh, House and Garden magazine. And uh, and then you've you've worked for some very high profile clients as well and some celebrity business clients. And but that's not all, is it? Because I know now that you've um, you've become a a judge uh, more recently for I think it's the Innovate Awards and and the Australian Mumpreneur Awards as well. Yes. Um, And I get around. I get around. You do. You certainly get around. (laughs) And and you're an expert on um, business programs uh, and my co-host on um, the Scale and Skyrocket podcast and and also on the Scale and Skyrocket Mastermind. So, I mean, that's that's an incredible amount of achievements and just experience right there. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. When you put it like that in a nutshell, I'm proud of myself as well. It sounds really good. It it is. (laughs) It's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. No, I just, um, I think you should always just be keeping moving forwards so everything I do is just because I want to have momentum moving forwards but uh, when it's condensed down like that it sounds pretty impressive <laughs> it you. does it does doesn't it so I'm so I'm so excited um to just to have you on the podcast today so obviously you know you and I we're we're friends in real life and yes. uh, you're my you're my co-host on uh, the scale and skyrocket podcast and I'm yes. just so thrilled to have you on as a guest today to talk about the story of your incredible business journey um, and bring that to life for everyone listening to the podcast because I was so moved, emotionally moved the first time I heard you tell your story yes. and I'm not going to steal your thunder here and give too much <laughs> away but we're going to be talking about your roller coaster. I mean it is a roller coaster isn't it? Your journey yes. from uh, riches to rags back up then, to riches and, yes and how you've gone from losing almost everything to building yes. an incredible lifestyle business and and yeah. with all of those accolades that we've just been talking about so it's really yeah. exciting yeah so so many so the rags to riches is the general tra- trajectory that people talk about you know you mm. have nothing 
you build up your life, your business, whatever, you win the lottery, whatever it might be, you manifest it, you go from rags to riches. And that's the the, the journey. But mm. I found myself about eight years ago on a journey that I didn't have any role models for. In the GFC in 2008, we were living in Geneva in Switzerland and uh, living a very, very comfortable lifestyle, as you would imagine, as expats in Geneva. And slowly, for one reason or other, which I won't go into here, but things happened uh, for us uh, personally and business-wise and financially. And we had these riches, and then it all very slowly, took about four years, it kind of all disappeared. And so that was riches to rags. And then I just thought, I saw myself in 2012 going, how on earth did I get here? And how on earth do I get myself out of it again? Mm. Because the only stories I was hearing was rags to riches, but it takes a very different set of skills and resilience and mindset to go riches rags and back up to riches again. And I couldn't find any role models because there wasn't any back then. And don't forget no. 2012, the internet wasn't what it is today. I'm sure I could find plenty of role models, um, myself included. I hope that I can, <laughs> this story helps some other people feel there is hope uh, when you've lost everything and how mm. to come out of it again and, and, and rework your life to make it work for you to hope that this never happens to you again. Um, so I think you, you are the you're you're my role model for that because obviously I'm oh, I'm you. the opposite you know I'm I'm a rags to riches story and yeah uh, I don't have that experience and and you're absolutely right you know back in in 2012 um, everything was so different and we just didn't have mm. the open forums and the support forums that we have in business uh, today so That's so true. Before we so before we dive sort of on into the you know the really juicy parts, tell me a little bit more about your business background and the early days because that's one of the things I don't really know about you your, your early startup story. So how did you get started? Well, the startup story was I was living in London. I have a degree in fashion. I was working in fashion publishing. I fell in love, moved to Switzerland to be with my boyfriend found I could not get a job legally because there's visa situations in Switzerland. So I thought, right, I'm an artist, I'm a designer, I'm gonna have to start making my own money without actually getting a proper J-O-B. So I started exhibiting my art in cafes. The first thing I ever sold was in a cafe in um, Switzerland. I had an exhibition. I borrowed $200 from my then boyfriend to frame my artwork. And I said, I will pay you back. He didn't want me to pay him back, but I said, no, I'm in business now. I will pay you back. Um, and the next day I paid him back because I made, I sold 80% of all my artwork on that exhibition. Mm. And that was the real starting point for me to realize I could make money from being a creative, from being an artist and a designer. And so that's how the early days started. It really came from art. And then right up today, uh, 2021, where we're at, I'm still an artist, but I use it in a very different context. I'm a designer. Mm. I do brand identity mm. and video backdrops. But it all started with me being an artist and selling, selling out pretty much at that exhibition and realizing, ah, oh, there's a business to be had here. Absolutely. Because on that point of... of of having a business to be had there that you've I remember you saying that you were never the starving artist that you've always no. charged for your work yes I always did I never really bought into this whole you need to suffer to be an artist you need to suffer to be a creative otherwise you're just selling your soul I realized pretty early on 
but you know you can't live off um torment you need to <laughs> you need to pay <laughs> to get paid so i always um sold my artwork for actual actual cash and i know that's a big problem that a lot of artists have they can't get over this starving artist ethos that's perpetuated by society it's really woven in to mm. the core of society that you can't you have if you're an artist you're going to be poor you're going to not you know you're going to be tormented there's all there's going to be all kinds of things you have to work for free because you love it so much you can't possibly charge for something you love and it makes it sound like work is something to be um uh hated and you only mm. earn money when you do something you don't enjoy doing but if you really enjoy doing your art why are you getting paid for it and I never bought into that so yeah people have always paid me for my for my work so what um so I know that there'll be there'll be many people listening to you who are in creative businesses and they're probably yeah. in exactly that place of feeling like they're the starving artist I mean what would you what mm. would you say what advice would you give to anyone that that needs to just flip that mindset over well, think about other people that you uh, pay money to in your world, and you would never expect them to do that work for free, whether it's a chef in a restaurant or your accountant or the bus driver. You would never expect to get that service or that product for free. And you are, as an artist, as a creative, in whichever form that takes, you are providing a service or a product to somebody who values it. And that value needs to have a monetary exchange just like we do in every other part of our lives. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's how I... that is great advice. And I think that, you know, so many people just broadly speaking struggle with pricing as well and the yes. money mindset um, around, around pricing and, and, you know, sort of moving, moving on then towards 2008 time, things started to take a different turn, didn't they for you in business? Yes, well, at that stage, I was pretty well set up as an artist living in Geneva. Um, I had private clients doing artwork for people's homes. I had a, a art camp for kids. You name it, I was doing something with my art and my design work. And then the GFC happened in September. Lehman Brothers went down. My husband's industry was very affected by that. And up until that point, all the money that I'd earned had really been, for want of a better word, pin money it it wasn't mm. particularly significant compared to the household income but thank goodness my husband who is a darling who's the boyfriend by the way who I borrowed the money off he's now my husband um <laughs> he's a keeper <laughs> he, he's a keeper for sure uh, he always valued my art and all the money that I brought in to the business uh, to the household even though it was you know comparatively it was very small mm. but he always appreciated that and I think that sometimes with artists and people with small business the spouse or the partner mm. might not always get on board with what you're doing and maybe not value what you're doing but thank goodness he did because when things hit the skids in 2008 um, I was slowly thinking okay I need to step things up a little bit and it was only about four years later sort of fast forward four years mm. later that I realized that I had to use my skill set and start increasing the money I was bringing into the family but it was mm. it all started you know 2008 when Lehman's went down and I looked at myself differently I thought mm, I need to start contributing a bit more so your partner your your husband um also went through quite a difficult time during the you know that yes. financial crash as well so as, as a couple that was an incredible stress going through yes. the GFC 
it was incredible. So he was under terrible pressure at work. He had his own company and there was all kinds of pressures. He wanted to keep his staff. Um, he did manage to keep as many as he could or find jobs for those that he couldn't keep. So it's a lot of pressure um, on him to bring the money and to keep the doors open. Uh, eventually, we did move to Australia for him to set up uh, another arm to the business for various reasons he changed tack but mm. we definitely went through it together as a team and yes there were moments where you know I was angry at him for a while for like how could you let this happen to us like we've, we're losing everything and that wasn't fair of me because he couldn't control the GFC and there was lots of other factors mm. and I realized pretty soon it was unfair of me to, to blame him and I needed to step up and take some of the weight off off his shoulders so although we did have uh, you know some terrible moments together we were always quite strong mm. and we supported each other you know when he was having a good time I might have been a bit down when I was you know having a good moment he might have been a bit down so it it, it has made us stronger but yeah he went through it the ringer just as, as much as I did. I think also you know you've made a really good point there that when you're going through a tough time and especially if you're in a partnership with a, with a partner or a business partner that bringing joy into that situation and giving your permission to to have fun and yeah. you know to to just let go of some of that stress it's actually so important isn't it it's i i made such a, a clear um decision because we had kids at this stage so we had mm. a, a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old uh, when we moved to australia and I wanted them to not really feel what we were going through mm. financially. Um, so I, the irony is that during our worst financial periods, um, we had the best family time ever because we really prioritized each other. And that's what kept us strong and together. And now the kids are 21, 19 years old. And they said, actually, we knew something was going on, but we never really felt that stress or that pressure from mm. you. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that, so that my husband and I could just keep things going as a family yeah. and not have everything just fall apart, which I know happens so often. Things do fall apart because money is such a hot topic. It's so loaded with emotion that when you lose money and you're financially in a position where you don't recognize you know, your bank balance anymore because there's nothing <laughs> in the bank, <laughs> it can be really stressful and, and a lot of, a lot of yeah. relationships don't make it. But thankfully ours did yeah I remember you saying as well so I mean money mindset really comes into into this as well yes. and the type of energy that we put around money and when money's especially tight that there there can either be trying to hold on to money and I remember yes. you saying uh once yes. about um cutting the cloth and that was cloth. yes a story that your your parents Good you know memory, very much brought Lord. into Good. your life I know I know <laughs> you've got a great memory I, I love the story <laughs> yes well that's so true because I was brought up uh, middle class you know comfortable middle class but my mother was you know obviously very careful with mm. money and the, the the whole story was you have to cut your cloth accordingly so you know what you have you have to use carefully and I always took that to to mean that you only get a certain amount of cloth in your life ever Mm. And you have to cut it accordingly. Now, of course, children bring meanings into things that parents never meant. I'm sure my mother never meant that to mean that. But for me as a child and growing up, I thought, my God, I've only got this amount of cloth and I need to cut it. Then all of a sudden, when the cloth was gone, when there was no cloth anymore, I was really panicked. There were a few threads left. 
And then I just flipped my mindset. I said, no, I'm going to weave my own cloth. Then I can cut accordingly and I can keep weaving my own cloth. And it was just that flip of that analogy and telling the story in a different way that made me feel a bit more powerful about what I could achieve um, with my art and my design work. I love that reframe. So you you just pivoted that around into a growth mindset and yes, h- how can I create? How can I grow? Because we get told all kinds of stories growing up mm. and we absorb things and they can become our truths and we think it's the truth, but it's not the truth necessarily. It's just what you have believed, but you can mm. change that belief. Um, not quickly, but you can change that belief. And I did that and it's helped a lot over yeah, the years. It's, it's about making it's it's committing to doing the work on those blockers, isn't it? And because yes. we can't we can't change our mindset blockers overnight. It's very difficult. No. So you know it's so important yeah. that you know you're here today being real, you know, talking about your you know your money mindset blocks and and taking you know that commitment and time to reframe that and create new cloth when you didn't have any. Absolutely. Yeah. When I didn't think I, I was thinking, how am I ever going to, you know, help support the family, take the weight off my husband's shoulders. And now we're a team. We have a mm. big loom, a big weaving loom and we weave the cloth together, you know, and it's great. He has his businesses. I have my businesses and it's great. Um, I just had a thought of um, Rumpelstiltskin, you, you and you and your, your husband, you and Fran, uh, and Fran uh, weaving golden cloth. <laughs> golden cloth yes well yeah it's gold plated but it's good it's good enough <laughs> don't not tell him I call him Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> you will not be happy <laughs> we I mean we are massively condensing your story and yes. you know it's important to say that you know the financial difficulty left you without an income for around I mean like 28 20, months 28 months without an income coming in and that's not to say that uh, my husband and I weren't trying everything, starting businesses, trying new avenues, but yeah, not no no money came in, just money was coming out. And thankfully, over the years when we had enough cloth, we had mm. saved money and, and done the right thing as far as investments were concerned. But when no money's coming in and um, you have a lifestyle that takes a while to switch off, you know, you can budget mm. all you like, but certain expenses don't switch off that quickly. And so 28 months of having no income coming in was pretty scary. Now, had someone said to me, okay, it's going to be 28 months, I would have gone, okay, we can do 28 months. But every month we'd go, yes, this is the month it's going to happen. And then nothing happened. And it, it could have gone on forever. And that was the, that was the pit of despair, not knowing where the mm. bottom would be or the end would, would come. So yeah, 28 months, and then things started to turn around for us. So remember, you had a moment at the checkout in a supermarket, and it's probably everybody's <sighs> worst nightmare. Do you want, do you want to just quickly tell us about that? <laughs> yeah, again, it was around about 2012. I'd gone shopping, um, and I was at the checkout, 29 Aussie dollars, and my card was rejected for $29. Mm-hmm. And... I knew that we didn't have any money in our everyday account. I just stood there and I thought, how did I get here? You know, from everything we built up together in Switzerland, Mm. you know, husband working really hard, doing a fabulous job, me with the kids, the family. I was always great at budgeting. And, you know, we weren't crazy, um, even though we led a very um, luxurious lifestyle. We did it within our means. And then that was me standing at the checkout 
having my card rejected for $29. I just thought, oh. how did I ever get here? And that's something I never want to experience again, ever. And I remember that experience and mm. that's what drives me forwards is to not have that experience again. Obviously then you had, you had that incredibly painful moment and then you mm. did things and and this yes. is one of the, one of the things that is so important here isn't it is what can what are the opportunities and what can i yes. do so so what are some of the things um or, or some of the behaviors that you want to share with people listening today about you know where did you go and look for your opportunities yeah well throughout this time i had i was running a business uh, an online design your own chair business it was like an iteration after an iteration and I landed mm. there and I thought, right, I need to um, get on board with this online uh, business world. So it's 2012, 2013. And I joined um, many communities in Sydney, particularly the, the tech startup communities, because I thought that was where growth was happening. This is where I wanted to be. Mm. And I went to every event possible, every networking event. And eventually I came across something called pitch contests which nowadays people know about because we've got Dragon's Den and Shark Tank on television. But back in 2013, 14, it was really just a tech startup world that were having these pitch contests so you mm. could you know, raise capital for your, your startup. And I had my startup, which although it was a interior design-based startup, it was still tech. I still had a software built um, for it. So I joined um, a pitch contest thinking, right, I know nothing about business. Mm. And I thought I need to learn quickly. So I thought, what better way than to put myself right in the firing line? Because when you stand up to do a pitch, you need to know your numbers, you need to know your, your product market fit, you need mm. to know your problem solution, you need to know everything. everything. And you have to be able to talk about it within five minutes in front of this panel of judges. So I thought, oh, this is a really great way to get a bit of fire under my bum, as it were, to to force me to learn about my own business and not just the nice pretty design side of it, but actually the nuts and bolts of it. And I went into a couple of pitch contests. I was the only woman there with my, you know, my beautiful chairs and my fabric and my software against all these guys with their big data tech solutions. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, what am I doing here? But I won one of those pitch contests. Mm. And the first prize was to go to Silicon Valley to meet the panel of judges because it was a live streamed to Silicon yeah. Valley from Sydney to San Fran and I won that pitch contest and I went over to Silicon Valley met the investors just really dived into that world for three or four weeks so that's what really changed everything for me was just getting involved making a network of people around me learning something new and just taking a chance on myself Mm. and it worked out and also so was, as well you know when you when you touched on you know that moment when you were stood in front of the panel of of dragons uh let's just say dragons the, yes the, the dragons the so dragons one of one of the things that I see from so many business owners is that they're not on their numbers and oh yes when we're going through tough economic periods tough periods in in um, the marketplace the there's power in knowing your business numbers because they can help you to make small reframes and pivots in your business because yeah. if you're not on your numbers then it's invariably going to be too late yeah. before you can make changes in your direction and that's yeah. that's something that you know I'm always on top of my numbers so and I, and so, I know that, that so was a big key. moment for you 
Huge, huge moment because I really didn't know my expenses back then, 2013, 14. I was spending hand over fist, thinking I had to, you know, spend money to make money, which is right for some things, but it's not a guarantee. You're not going to spend mm. money and guarantee a, a return on investment on it. And I was just spending money thinking, okay, if I invest in this, invest in that. I didn't know my expenses. And all of a sudden I had to sort of look at my numbers, go, right, how much is it costing me to be in business? What's my break even? All those kind of things. And where do I need to spend the money? Where do I need to invest? Because we do need to invest the money. And where do I not need to invest my money? And just understanding that was really painful for a long time I avoided looking at my accountant's um you know excel spreadsheets that she sent through to me and I avoided looking at all of that for a while because my nervous system was shot I was Mm. I didn't want to have any more bad news so I just would ignore it and slowly my nervous system from a physiological level got used to numbers and Mm. looking at them and the, the feeling of fear became more normalized and it wasn't mm. actually fear and then it settled down and my, my my nervous system settled down and I was able to deal with it and look at the numbers and slowly make you know course correct mm. thank goodness I did <laughs> yes and you know interesting segue there into course correct because you made um, an investment didn't you at that difficult time into an online course you invested in yourself yes as well I did I spent thousands of dollars, well, thousands, I think it was $2,000 at the time. It's obviously that was a long time ago. The the course is much more now, but that was great because it gave me the basics of the online world that I was was in. And it gave me a network, a community of people Mm. who are still my my fans my they're my colleagues they're sometimes they're my clients now and they're just my community they're my people and it all started from from investing myself Mm. in myself with that course and that community and it's just grown from that so yeah who you surround yourself with is really important and also when I think when you are in difficult uh, financially difficult times is to uh, when you're looking to make an investment in business coaching, online courses, for example, is to look for that return on that investment as well yes. so that you're you're maximizing you know, the use um, out of the money that you do have and that you want to invest. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, you've got to make sure you get a return on investment on it. And sometimes having skin in the game, like having skin in the game back then with this course uh, was really motivating. And so I would block mm. out every Tuesday, for example, the next module would come through and I would block out the whole day from my business and not do anything and just study every Tuesday. And I really look forward to that. And I really committed to that for, I think it was like 12 weeks, I think. I can't remember how long it was. And that was game changing as well because to commit to it. Yeah. Because it's very easy to spend the money and think like somehow by magical osmosis, it's going to help me. It's the you've magic wand, isn't it? The work. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to do the work. You know, there's no point buying something if you're not actually going to do the work. So, yeah. That's, yeah, that Absolutely. Was, and I mean, that um, I don't know about you, but I, I commit time every week for my own personal development. Is that something that you carry on today? I not necessarily personal development. I have uh, built a, a, a business around me that allows me to be me and to, to do things I enjoy doing. 
Um, I do invest in professional development, definitely, to increase my skills. Because um, there's only so much YouTube can give you <laughs> when you don't know how to do something. <laughs> Sometimes you actually need to invest properly <laughs> in, in development, personal and uh, professional development. So, yeah, I still, I still do that. Yeah. The amount of times I'm asked um, to do videos on um, how to how to scale your business to, you know, seven figures in a 10 minute video. And it's like, no, that's yeah, just not like, going to no. help. <laughs> no, exactly. You know, some, YouTube's good for some things, but other yeah. things you've just got to get, you know, get serious about it. It's about being serious about what you want your business to do for you and how, how you want your business yeah. to serve you and and to really make that commitment, isn't it, to, to yourself, yeah. to your professional development, the development and yeah. growth of your business. Yeah. And one of the quotes that you say that I really love is that 80% of your success is showing up showing up absolutely I heard it somewhere 80% of success is showing up you don't have to be the best or the richest or the most qualified or whatever your excuses for not showing up you don't have to be that you just have to show up and just by showing up you're already ahead of the game because most people won't show up so 80 percent of success is just showing up hence I just showed up at that pitch contest and that changed my world, <laughs> even yes. though I certainly wasn't the most uh, technical, you know, startup founder there was out there. Um, I just showed up. It's important um, also, you know, especially for business owners that might be in a feast or famine cycle as well is is about being visible and investing your energy wisely into the right places when you're showing up in your business and with, you know, with these various yeah. forums and, and communities. How did you take care of you and your mental health was there anything that you that, that you found work for you yeah sleep was very mm. important I made sure that I slept a lot um, it was sometimes hard to fall asleep um, there was a time mm. where I did have to sort of take over the counter sleeping tablets because I'd wake up with a crushing pain in my chest which was mm. fear basically so I made sure that I slept well I took myself on a lot of walks and podcasts were just coming in to you know being and I would listen to a lot of podcasts um and being near the ocean in Sydney I I do remember one particular summer going every day at 4 p.m to this particular beach Balmoral near us and just standing there grounding myself in the water and just being grateful mm. for what I did have because heck I was standing on a beach that people would spend you know you know two days to get to and mm. thousands of dollars to be at and this is my my local beach and I had to be grateful for that so just that gratitude yeah. really helped and the gratitude helped me realize the good things in my life and I think as soon as you start doing that more good things appear you might call it manifesting whatever mm. it's just like energy attracts like energy so the gratitude stuff I did at the beach that one particular summer was really important. It speaks a lot to money manifestation as well and, and being grateful for the bills that you might have to pay and being grateful yeah. for the money that you receive as well to, to, to just create yeah. that, that flow and allow that to happen. Yeah, that, that was an important lesson for me, the flow of money. Because mm. at, at that point, I thought every, all, the, all, all the money that comes in, I need to keep it. But no, it's that flow of money and letting things go because there's going to be more coming in, which yeah. is a leap of faith to take. Like, I did not believe it. I was like, there's no way this is going to happen. But sometimes you have to put your faith in something before it proves itself to be true to you. It's a bit messy. It's messy. There's no sort of one day to the next. But, you know, that gratitude thing really helped me 
during yeah. those that, that period massively so tell tell us about so obviously you know there, there's an upshift now so things things get yes. better <laughs> and you know and and today you've you've built an incredible business that serves you you've got incredible clients and I remember uh, and this is something that I also talk to my audience about is it's about building a picture of your ideal day or your ideal week and then mm. starting to shape your business around that so yes. how how did things start to take an upswing for you and you know tell us a little bit more about that journey i actually did write out my ideal day you know literally i wake up in the morning i'd write it out as though it was happening mm. what i had for breakfast you know i was walking down the stairs it wasn't even in necessarily the house i was living at the time it was just my ideal day and i really thought about how i wanted to feel in my day and then i started uh, attaching actions to that so I, I had my whole day mapped out and I, I one of the things i said i condensed it down into being you know i want to draw paint and design mm. every day while getting paid well by happy clients. So that was my the succinct ideal life scenario. And that was in 2014 or 15, I wrote that down. And within a couple of years, that was the reality I was living. I was earning money, drawing, painting, designing. I found a way to still be a creative and a business owner. Um, and I had beautiful clients. And since then, I've always had amazing clients. And that's, but I had to make that intention first. I had to write down my ideal day, I had to write down how I wanted to feel and then slowly take the action steps to make that happen. Wow, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And, look, and look at where you are now. I mean, you've, so you've, you've recently uh, moved. Well, you're sort of in transition, aren't oh, you? Yes. But, uh, tell us just a little bit before we, before we close the, um, the, the episode, just, just tell us a little bit about your life at the moment, because I'm envious of it. I, you know, it's, it's, it's what <laughs> I want for myself. Not obviously not podcasting from a cupboard, but. No, uh, that's not what anyone wants. Yeah, I'm in, in a wardrobe <laughs> at the moment because it's the best sound acoustics. Um, yeah. So again, my husband and I, uh, team effort on everything we mm. do and we we spoke about how we wanted our lives to feel together. And we came up with this idea that we wanted to live as though we were semi-retired while still earning full time. Mm. That's how we want to shape our lives. And so recently we took a seven week road trip up the East coast of Australia. The kids by this stage, they've moved out, they're at university. And we both have businesses that we have specifically set up so that we can be location independent. Um, and we took seven weeks um, in between moving house, basically. We had this shortfall. We thought, right, we can take our businesses. And we went all the way up to the Whitsundays, uh, which is uh, the Barrier Reef. And we took our businesses with me. I took my backdrop with me. So whenever I had client calls, nobody <laughs> knew I was in an Airbnb or what was going on. It all looked exactly the same. It's so and we clever. I love the backdrops. <laughs> yeah, I love my backdrop. <laughs> They're great. Like at the moment, I had a client call today and um, I've got moving boxes behind me, but no one knew because I got my backdrop. So that's how we're living our life right now. We're moving house. We bought mm. a place on the South Coast. And again, we're building our lifestyle ambitions into our business ambitions. Um, so we have plenty of time to enjoy life, but still, you know, working on our business mm. oh, and, and, and earning, you know, full time. And having a That's, good time it, doing it as well. Having a good time doing it. And it sounds like it's something that has happened, but it was many years in the making, like slowly mm. little tweaks 
and baby footsteps have have allowed us to live our lives like this but you have I to mean, set the intention first otherwise you just drift and not know don't know where you're going really you do yes yeah, setting the intention reframing and and constantly looking for those opportunities but um but also you know you did make a really good point there that it's not overnight and, no. and for so many businesses you know there's there's a journey behind the success yeah. and there's yeah. invariably you know a lot of emotions hard work stumbling blocks blockers yes <laughs> absolutely and, and I'm certainly not there yet either I'm still work in progress I still have other things I want to do in my life and my business but I'm really happy with where we are now and I look back at the journey that we've been on it's like oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> were we crazy yes we probably were but we've come out totally unencumbered we don't mm. have any responsibility to anybody except our clients um, our business structures um, our business mm. partners and ourselves and our family. That's it. Love and it's that. an amazing feeling to have. Mm. Really is. That's it. In- incredible, Emma. So before we before we close out this amazing episode, I've loved, I've just loved listening to every minute <laughs> of, of your story. Um again, even though it's sort of you know, it's the second time. I just, you know, love yes. it. Yes. Because it's so inspiring. And oh, is, is there anything that you want to um, to share? Any sort of closing closing advice? Literally 80% of success is showing up. That's, that's all. And set your intention of how you want your life to feel. It's, it's have goals in your life, but make sure you also set feeling goals. Because that way you know you're going to be living your best life. And you'll, you know, all those other goals will come, come your way as well. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaways have been from this episode. So if you've enjoyed the conversation, then let me know by leaving a comment, drop me a DM or join us at scaleandskyrocket.com forward slash community. If you're an entrepreneur who's ready to work with leading mentors to build a scale strategy so that you can ultimately have a work-life balance that serves you and a business that you don't need to take a holiday from, then head on over to scaleandskyrocket.com and join us on our 12-month scaling mastermind.